grateful. Yes, let's give him praise in this place. Amen. God, you are worthy, Father. Hallelujah. Great is your faithfulness, Father, every day, God.
100 says, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good, and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Amen. Sometimes when you don't know what to be thankful for, you can just read a psalm like that and say, Lord, thank you. Thank you for all that you are. Aren't you grateful today? Amen. Hey, before we greet each other, turn to the person next to you and say, I'm so thankful that you get to sit next to me today. Let's take a few minutes and greet each other. God bless you. Amen. Did you hear that? You are the hope of the world. The church is the hope of the world. Hey, you can find your seat if you could. And uh, if you're a guest here today, we just want to say thank you for being here. If you could complete a Connect card for us, that would be super helpful. Bring it to the uh, guest services desk out in the lobby. At the end of the service, we have a gift for you. Thank you for doing that. Again, we greatly appreciate it. If our ushers could prepare, we're going to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. I love it for you guys because when, when greeting time, I just basically send you guys in a direction and you guys just take off. I love it. I love it. Hope you enjoyed that time to get to hang out with each other and connect with some people. We're uh, honored to be, uh, to be able to give today. I want to give you some instruction in regards to the Convoy of Hope uh, offering. Uh, here's just a few things, and you've had these on your seat here. Uh, this offering will not be taken during this offering. That'll be later at the conclusion of the, of the service today. So if you, if you have these, do not put them in the offering right now. That'll be a tremendous help. And then also, uh, there's a, a credit card portion on this envelope. Please don't fill that out. Um, uh, that'll be helpful. You can go on our website. If you go on the website, at the top, it says, uh, it says re- there's a resources button. And then under, right underneath that, there's a giving button. You can click that. And then uh, one day to feel, a convoy of hope, one day to feed the world is a button you can select to give. Okay, you can do it that way. Please don't do it here. If you do it, we're just going to take your credit card and buy a bunch of cool things, okay? If you do it, that's your penalty. Uh, but please don't put that on there. That would be a, a huge help to us. And uh, also... Um, again, just remember that offering will be received at the conclusion of the service today. Lord, thank you that we have the privilege and the honor to be able to give and worship you in this way. And again, I pray that it would just come from hearts that are overflowing with gratefulness and thankfulness. And we pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.
I just wish Joy would feel more deeply about that song myself. I, I mean, her, it was just kind of flat for me. I don't know. <laughs> hey, announcements. Have a few announcements today. And uh, we should be excited about that. Amen. So, hey, announcements. We've got uh, an offering today. We have, actually have a guest with us, Gary Hansen. And uh, we're glad to have him. Pastor's going to introduce him a little bit later. Um, but he is uh, going to be our guest speaker today uh, as we uh, give toward Convoy of Hope one day to feed the world. Uh, a few events coming up. December 3rd at noon will be the Joy Group Lunch. Make sure you show up for that the 3rd of December. Um, the uh, the, uh, the uh, 4th will be our kids program that morning, December 4th. You want to be here that Sunday for that. And the 11th of December, the sign-up is out in the lobby for our adult uh, Christmas dinner. Uh, we do have something for the, the kids down in the, the cafe. We'll have some food for them in the, and everything. But this is a sign-up where you can sign up your, uh, your family for this event. Again, it's out in the lobby. Please see that when you leave here. Do not forget. Uh, we, we really need to get a count as, as soon as we can. So please sign up for that. Uh, a couple things coming up really quick. This Wednesday, remember that there will be no programs, no girls' ministries, no rangers, no Bible study, nothing this Wednesday night. Okay? So uh, that's uh, the 23rd this Wednesday. And then a week from yesterday, or this coming Saturday, is going to be uh, our youth ministry. Uh, we're doing a Thanksgiving throwdown. And we're going to be at uh, Slim Sports Complex in Middletown. They have a massive indoor soccer field, which we can divide up. We're going to have dodgeball, soccer. They've got a volleyball court, a half-court basketball court. We're going to have pizza. And so the sign-up for that is also in the lobby as well. That's for middle school, high school students, Thanksgiving throwdown. We're going to have other youth ministries from our section that are going to be there. It's going to be a great time. Again, make sure you sign up for that. That is on the 26th next Saturday. And again, just a reminder, we'll be receiving, if you're giving through the envelopes, we'll be giving toward uh, One Day to Feed the World at the conclusion of the service. Thank you, Pastor Hans. And uh, one other, just a quick reminder about the adult Christmas dinner. It's an adult Christmas dinner. I mentioned that because someone asked me this morning, can their kids come? They can come, but they'll be over at the cafe and over in the chapel that night. It's for 18 and older. And uh, we have a Christian comedian coming with us. He's going to be with us. Um, last year we had a she, right? Remember last year Chewbacca mom was here? And that was great. And so we're, we're looking forward to a good time. There's no charge for that, for the meal. I'd uh, love to have you attend. And we do have child care, as you see out in the sign-up. Just read that carefully. You want a good count of who will be here. And uh, looking forward to this year's guest. I won't tell you who he is yet. Uh, but he is on YouTube, and he'll soon be on Dry Bar with a special. Um, so he's, he's really a fun guy and a very, well, I'll tell you. Well, let's see. He is a chaplain to the Christian Comedian Association. So you can Google that and find out who he is if you want. I'm not really trying to keep it a secret, but sometimes that'll entice you to come out. And uh, you already know the menu, right? How many have been to an adult dinner before Christmas time? Okay, you know the menu. That's what we're doing. So no mystery there. Once a year, we get the world's best tortellini Alfredo with chicken. I mean, it is, it is great. It is great. And, of course, we'll get something with red sauce for the rest of you, too. But, um, again, no charge. You're welcome to come. Um, just you have to be 18 and older. And, again, there's child care. So with that said, we want to move along. This is one of the most exciting days of the year for our church and for us 
As you know, we, we've been lifelong partners with Convoy of Hope. And I'm so glad that today is one day to feed the world. And I'm so glad, extremely glad, that we have a great representative of Convoy with us today. Someone who knows Convoy in every facet and just, I don't know, eat, how do you say it? Eats, drinks, sleeps, Convoy. I don't know if Convoy ever sleeps. They've been very busy this year. But without any other wasted time, Gary Hansen, would you please come and share with us today? You know, you only have one opportunity to make a first impression. So that's not mine. Good morning, church. <laughs> Amen? Oh, man, you guys are awesome. I looked at your history. Excuse me, let me address my mom. Hey, mom, I made it to Delaware. I've never preached in Delaware before. Is there any way I have to preach in Delaware? I preached in Texas in the spring for the first time. You know my gripe about Texas? Just because you have all that land, you don't have to use it. You know, putting a car rental 12 miles from the airport. I like Delaware. It's all sitting on top of each other. <laughs> but anyway, thank you for letting me come and mess up your church. I have the neatest job in the world, and I've been preparing for it for my whole life. When I was growing up at Christmas, my mother, we would come down the stairs about 6 o'clock in the morning, and we would get our stockings that were hung by the chimney with care. Now, as a grandpa and a dad, I realized they were not hung with care. They were there to distract us for a couple hours while mom and dad slept longer. And so they would be there, and in the toe would be an orange, which is a New England tra uh, tradition of putting an orange in the toe. And we'd always have a pair of socks. By the way, I got to call out your pastor. Okay, I gave pastor a pair of Convoy of Hope socks last night, knowing that he, representing Convoy as well as he does, would have them on. He does not. <laughs> so feel free to rebuke him in the foyer, you know, shame him, however you want to do that. Or actually just ask him for double salary for one day to feed the world. That would work. But we would take those and we'd have a pair of socks and orange and then some trinkets that came from Finger Hut. Those of you that remember Finger Hut. <laughs> But there would always be a package of thank you cards. Then we would go into the dining room where my mother would take up her place in a chair. She'd cross her legs, take out her steno pad, ink pen, and we would start to open presents. In opening those presents, she would write down the, the name of who gave the present, what the present was, and then she'd put over here just a little description. At the end of opening presents, and it would often take 20, 30 minutes Okay, and, and, and as opposed to now, it takes, what, 20 or 30 seconds as everybody rips into them. And at the end of all of that, she would then tear the pieces of paper and hand them to each one of us. And she would say, before you go play with your toys or try on your clothes, and, and we would instantly push back, say, oh, Mom, we want to really try on our clothes. We really do, said no kid ever. <laughs> and we would take that piece of paper. Mom would say, go write your thank you notes. That's the earliest childhood memory I have is starting at the age of four and five. And when you write a thank you note, you all know that you have to put one sentence and then the second sentence has to be something different. And then you sign your name. There's a way to write them. 
I started at five, and I realized that today I have an honor and a privilege of taking that which I learned when I was a kid and coming here to praise assembly for only one reason. And my job today is to say thank you as often and as many different ways as I possibly can. You all have been such a strength to Convoy of Hope over the years. You've given, you've participated, you've, you know, pastor knows more about Convoy than I do. And you've been here. And so today I come to say thank you. Thank you on behalf of 465,143 children that we feed on a daily basis. We feed and provide water and provide education for 465,143 children. Every child is recorded. We watch them grow. We know what they're doing. They're in our programs. And so praise, I come here and I say thank you because that's what you do when you receive this offering. That's where your money goes. That's what you're doing in the world. A lot of other things that are happening. But in the world that we live in, we, we, along with the food and the water and along with the, the education, we provide something called hope. And there's a really neat expression that comes across someone's face. And you can see it anywhere you go here is that you'll see a certain look. And then when you help someone and you meet their need, there is a look on their face that just flashes across their face. And that look is what I call hope. You see it in their face because we provide hope for those kids. And the one thing that they've done, we've learned, they've now learned a new word. As they come through our programs, a new word that they have is tomorrow. For the first time, they can start to dream about what they want to do tomorrow. These are third world kids that can now say, this is what I want to do because they're not worried about where their next meal's coming from. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for providing the hope. I want to just take a minute. There's a, a video that I want to show you that kind of encapsulates everything Convoy does. It's called Hope Sets the Table. And when we set that table of hope, that's what you all do when you provide these. Would you watch this with me? All over the world, there are empty plates at the table and countless empty seats. In the famine, in the flood, in the aftermath, a full table is a fantasy. When you are eating nothing, going nowhere, when every road is a dead end and every cupboard is bare, a full plate is a fable. Then suddenly, love arrives. Faith gets to work and hope rolls up its sleeves. When hope sets the table, seeds become sprouts, become gardens, become fields. Future sinks its roots into the good earth. When hope sets the table, girls grow into women with the power to chase their dreams, define their destinies, and weave their love into communities too strong to unravel. When hope sets the table, bright eyes shine with confidence that comes from a full belly and a sharp mind sparkling with grand dreams and electrifying visions. Convoy of Hope has worked tirelessly to build that table, and millions have taken a seat. Now we ask you to join us, to put your love to work, put your faith on the line, share the hope that's in your heart. So please, 
pull up a chair. Let us break bread together and let hope set the table for millions more. Again, praise, thank you. Thank you for what you do. I, I absolutely love that video because I know the people in it. The young man that's in the beginning, that's Baraka. Baraka is the only young man in our women's empowerment program. The pillars of Convoy involve a feeding initiative. We're in disaster relief and community events that we participate in. This is the children's feeding initiative. Baraka is in the women's empowerment ministry because his mother was in it and she was killed tragically in an accident. And Baraka stepped in and he picked up what she was learning. And now he takes care of his family as a young man. Um, his story is online. You can see it. It's incredible. As he's growing up, he's growing up strong and smart. And he's taking care. He's taking a place of prominence now in his village. He's about uh, 14 in that video. He's about 18 now. A young man that we're proud of. I saw in that video, too, I saw the, the hills of Nepal. We are in Nepal in 2015. We moved in when it was a disaster. And the team got there so fast that they were in the second earthquake that hit Nepal. If you remember that, when the, the temples collapsed and everything came down and it was, the city was desolate. So we went in for there for the disaster relief and then discovered that there were about 15,000 children that were food insecure. So we brought them into the program. So we started feeding those children and we brought in our agriculture team and we taught the farmers how to grow tea. And, and I saw the hill on here. I, I know the previous picture was a desolate hill, but in this video, and you wouldn't have caught it, but the hill was green with tea. And they have quadrupled their yield being in the agriculture program. So the village farmers are starting to take care of themselves. The interesting thing, the women, we've, we go through our women's empowerment program and the women in Nepal raise goats. So they go through a program. They learn how to raise goats. I'm always amazed. I brought a gift catalog for the pastor. He has a few in here. Um, <laughs> a couple of years ago, a guy gave some money. And I said, well, I, I don't mean to impose, but why would you give $433? We were sitting at some event we were at. And he goes, oh, I read through your gift catalog. I bought three goats. I didn't look at the gift catalog because I don't need a Convoy of Hope t-shirt and I don't need a Convoy of Hope towel. I thought it was a merch catalog. We've only been doing this for two years. So I went home and looked at it. It's completely different. We're selling the programs. We sell chickens and seeds and, and scholarships and goats. And so we sold three goats to this guy. And I, I didn't even know we sold goats. So I had to go look. I said, what do we do with the goats? Well, in Nepal, we're training the women to raise goats. I'm, I look at life sometimes a little weird. So we were hearing about the program, and when they graduate the program, they're given two female goats. And then part of the contract with Convoy, so that it is a self-sustaining program, is that when they have the first trip, or the tribe, is what a litter of goats is called, in case you want to know. Pastor, if you really want to know what a group of buzzards is called, it's called a committee. Throw that in there if you have any problem with that, but that's free. But goats are called a trip. And part of the contract is that, that we, the first female goat from the trip goes back to convoy so the program can be self-sustaining. Now that sounded really important. I heard it completely different. So in the corporate meeting, I raised my hand. I just have one question. <laughs> okay, if we give them two female goats, right? It's dawning on you, isn't it? Where does that trip come from? 
I went with the joke. I, I thought well, it was a perfect opportunity for a joke. There's got to be some billy goat walking around the village going, woohoo. <laughs> you know what the answer is? There's a billy goat going around the village. And Dr. Dirt, our agronomist, says, no, what happens is we have tracked genetically. We use the billy goat. and He can inseminate three different generations. And then he goes home to be with Jesus happy, but he goes home to be with Jesus and his program starts. I learned more about goats than I ever cared to know. And I just thought, well, you know what? I just go and buy a goat. I shared that story in New Hampshire a couple months ago up in a church there and I sold six goats in the service. So if you want to buy a goat today only, you know, one goat costs $125. You can buy two today only for $300. It's just kind of a unique thing to do. And what you're doing, you're investing in the programs that we do around the world. And that kind of explains the women's empowerment. So it's an interesting thing to see. And I look at that video, the lady at the end, you're going to meet her. She's gone through the women's empowerment. I'm going to show a video on her at the end. But it's a Maasai lady that's learned to do that beadwork that's incredible. And we're watching as we do this across the nation, across the world, that we're changing lives. Now, here's our slide of numbers that I like. This is where I get to say thank you for this. This slide right here, 465,143 children. We think we have about over half a million in the program now, but we've not officially announced it. Our goal is to do half a million by 2025, and we think we've already reached the goal. Our long-term goal is a million kids by 2030. We expect to be there in about four years. God is just pouring out his blessing. And so praise on behalf of 465,000 children. Thank you. Last year, we took 34,000 women through our women's empowerment program. 34,000 women have been trained and so they can take care of their family. And these are businesses from raising chickens to selling empanadas to uh, we'll buy a filtration system. And they'll in Haiti, they'll sell water for 25 cents for a five gallon bucket or something. They, they get creative as they learn how to do this. So on behalf of 34,000 women, on behalf of 23,000 farmers that we've taken through our agriculture, you see, we want to feed the children but we don't want to feed the grandchildren. And so we're teaching them how to sustain what they're learning so that it can be passed on to the next generation. What's changing the world now, we heard Dr. Dirt, Jason Strobel is, is our agronomist. We call him Dr. Dirt because the guy just loves nitrogen in soil. I did not know nitrogen was that exciting, but with Dr. Dirt, if he won the $50 million lottery, he would not be as excited if he found nitrogen in soil. So around the world, what he was explaining to us going into the weeds in arenas that I didn't really understand, we're starting to plant corn and beans side by side. Because in discovering that you can use the field over and over, corn is a taker and it takes the nitrogen out of soil. Beans put the nitrogen back in the soil. So as a result, they can use that field over and over and over. And we're finding out that in third world countries, that's changing the world. Something as simple as doing that. It's incredible to watch. So the farmers are going through this. In Haiti, our program is ready to export a crop. That's huge because Haiti is going to export a crop for money. Never been done before. They have some that they export, but not on this level of fruits and vegetables. And it's incredible to watch. And so praise, that's where I look at you and say thank you. Because that's what you give to. That's how we're changing the world. And, and there's an old saying, an odd saying that says whoever feeds them, owns them. In other words, the message is heard. So these kids are hearing about Jesus Christ. We're seeing these kids come to know the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. One orphanage in Haiti, the pastor that runs this, his goal 
is to take that orphanage and raise those kids so strongly in Jesus Christ that they will be raised incorruptible so they can move into the government and change the corrupt nature of the government around the world. And I thought that's a long-term goal. And we admire that. So thank you for what you're doing to the farmers and helping the farmers do that. Domestically, we've done 64 disasters. 28 of them have been here in the country and the rest international. We're in 29 countries. The neat thing is I have to make a correction. 193 million in August, Hal Donaldson, our CEO, great man of God, uh, the founder, CEO, gave everyone at Convoy the day off August 14th. Because we changed that number from 193 million people served to 200 million people served. And the way we celebrated that was loafed. We, you know, we're tired, 200 million. He said, take the day off. So the entire crew around the world at Convoy of Hope took the day off. So praise, thank you. 200 million people served. And I rejoice in that. So thank you for that. Thank you for what you do for Convoy of Hope. You've been part of it for years. You have been giving faithfully for years. Um, I don't know. I haven't had a chance to talk to Pastor Mike about your involvement with the local. Um, the, did you ever have a truck come in here? Did you ever distribute a truck? A food that came in, Clorox bleach. Something. We, we hit North Jersey real hard because that was the epicenter of everything that happened. And uh, so we sent a lot. But during COVID, we did 200 million meals across America. I always tell this, I better step away. because I'll say this unofficially. I watched Amazon commercial on TV one time and Amazon said, we did 7 million meals during COVID. And I just kind of looked at my wife. I said, oh, go on, Amazon. Come back when you grow up. You know, <laughs> 200 million meals. It was just fun to look at Amazon, this huge company, and say, oh, hurry up and catch up. But that's because of the church. That's because of the church of Jesus Christ that recognizes that when we feed them, get involved in their lives, share Jesus Christ, that these kids come to know the Lord. And for that praise, I say thank you. And today, if you just let me for a few minutes, I want to couch what I had to say in the, in the word. If you've got your Bibles, okay, I gave you my Christmas story. Now I want to take you to Easter. There's an interesting phrase in the road to Emmaus, the story uh, Luke 24, verse 30. Just, if you remember the story, after the, the, the death and resurrection of Christ, two disciples walking, uh, hand, I think their hands are shoved down in their pocket, their eyes are down, they've been crying. Um, the word says on the same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking about each other and everything that happened as they talked and they discussed these things with each other. Jesus himself comes along, walks along with them, but they were kept from recognizing them. I, you know, some people wonder, well, you know, did they just not see? But I think that, you know, these guys, you know, they were crying. Man, they were hurting. Their eyes were down. You know, dudes, when we cry, you go to a movie. You don't want anybody to see you crying during a movie. You know, who wants to see those sad dog movies, you know? But you don't want anybody to see you crying. And Jesus comes up and says, what are you discussing today as you walk along? They stood still, their eyes downcast. One of them named Cleopas says, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who hasn't heard? And in the original Greek, it says, duh, after that sentence. Now, if you don't think Jesus has a sense of humor, I think he does. Have you ever watched, anybody watched The Chosen? Okay, and that, I mean, he cracks some great lines in The Chosen. I don't know if they're scriptural, but they're funny. This is one of them. Cleopas says, man, where you been, dude? Haven't you heard? And Jesus said, what things? That's funny. 
Okay, I mean, you know, Jesus kind of picking at a scar probably, you know, kind of rubbing his temple going, yeah, I remember that I heard you a couple days ago. Okay, about Jesus of Nazareth. And then he was a prophet, powerful word of deed, and he went on and told the whole story. And then he comes back and he says, how foolish you are. And he proceeds to teach them. And so it's a seven mile walk. And so they have this conversation between these disciples and this guy nobody knows. Now, I think that, you know, they got to Emmaus and Jesus kind of pretended to walk away. And I think he's trying to snag a dinner invitation. OK, because he walked by. And he says when he was walking by, he, 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 he took the bread he broke it. Okay, this is audience participation time. Okay, empty out. I want you, everybody, imaginary, pick up a piece of bread. Okay, put some bread in your hand. Got some bread in your hand? Okay, everybody got it? All right, so the Word of God says that he took the bread, gave thanks, and broke it. Now break the bread. Okay, do it again. Okay, uh, how many of you here just broke a French baguette? In your head, it was a French baguette, right? I'm curious on what you broke because you started here, you know, and then you did this. Anybody do the Hawaiian loaf, that real big one they did this way? Okay, anybody at all? Anybody go spiritual with matzo bread? You, anybody dusting off their lap because you broke the bread and you got the, the crumbs on your lap? It's funny, I, I did this, I used that illustration one time in North Jersey, and there's a guy sitting over here and he broke the bread and he did this. I said, do, well, do it again. He broke bread and he did this. And I had to stop. I, I said, man, sir, what are you doing? You know, he said, man, anytime you break bread, you got to dip it in marinara. He, in his head, was breaking bread, dipping it in marinara. I like that guy. You know? And so Jesus broke bread. He began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open and they recognized him and he disappeared from their sight. In the original Greek, that word is. They asked each other. Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked to us on the road and opened up the scriptures to us? In other words, they suspected something on the road, but it wasn't until Jesus broke the bread, their eyes were opened and they went, aha. And they got up and they returned at once to Jerusalem. They found the 11 and said, hey, this is what happened. It's true. The Lord is risen. Okay. It's strange to me that they would not have recognized Jesus. Disciples of Christ, they didn't recognize him. Those two that walked together. For two days, they thought of little else. But Jesus came along and broke bread. They spoke painfully of him, I think. I think their hearts ached. They missed the Lord. They didn't understand it. They saw him, extended an invitation to their guests, still didn't know, showed him hospitality, brought him in, still didn't know him. Stranger yet, though, is that they got to know him by the distributing or the breaking of bread. You know, I, I believe at Convoy, we can reach the world by feeding them. Hal Donaldson uses that line all the time. When he started Convoy, he said, why can't we change the world by feeding them? The crucial time in Hal Donaldson's life was when in India, writing a book for Mark Buntain, Mother Teresa looked and pointed a bony finger at him and said, well, young man, what are you doing to help the poor? <laughs> and Hal always says, you know, whatever... Whenever Mother Teresa points a bony finger at you and says, what are you doing? Your life changes. And out of that was birthed this heartbeat for Convoy of Hope. Can we change the world by feeding them? 
You look at the life of Jesus. I think, I don't know if you've ever tracked food, but it's an interesting thing. I mean, they'd been with Jesus. Jesus had distinguished himself as a hearty eater. The the sinners and the the publicans were were always eating with them. They accused him of hanging out with sinners and they were always eating. The dietary customs of the day, Jesus seemed to always be breaking. He stripped the stalk of wheat one day on the Sabbath and was munching on some wheat. And the Pharisees had a, a cow on that one. They didn't like that one at all. Um, he said, hey, let's have a feast. Don't, I don't want any funeral dirges. I'm not dead yet. Let's, let's have a feast. You can fast when I'm gone, but right now let's, let's eat. On the eve of the crucifixion, what does Jesus do? He brings them together at the Passover, breaks bread again, and he says, this is how I'm going to be identified. This is my body. And those were the memories that flooded back to those disciples when Jesus broke the bread. I've been on the mission field. Have you ever been on honest with a pastor's vision trip where you, you got to scoop the rice on the plate of a kid? <laughs> we always like it at Conway. We take our pastors and the kids line up and we give them a five-gallon bucket of rice and a big spoon. And the kid just holds up this little piece of paper. And the pastor, you know, he starts off with normal size scoops of rice. And about the fourth kid, he's giving them half the bucket. And we know we got that pastor for life because they got me that way. I fed those kids and my entire life changed because I realized that with that food comes hope and with that hope comes a desire for Jesus Christ. Those were the memories that flooded into those guys. He was at the table with them. He took the bread. He blessed it. He broke it and gave it to them and their eyes were opened. And so today I just want to share with you this thought. The first, that Jesus Christ is known in the hands that break the bread. Okay, Jesus fed. Jesus broke the bread. Jesus worked with food. He was, he was about food. It was always there. But then Jesus is resurrected, goes on to heaven. He looks at the church. And he says, now you are my hands extended. You are the ones now to pick the ball up and keep on going. You know, Convoy of Hope has over 700,000 volunteers that have helped us. I know when you watch the news, depending on whether you watch CNN or Fox or wherever you come down on that whole spectrum, if you watch the news, you don't think America likes each other. Amen? You ever, you know, you turn it on. How many of you wish you didn't have to watch the news, but you end up watching it anyway? You know, I want to watch Paw Patrol so badly because I'm getting tired of the news. Because when you watch it, it's just pouring junk into you and we don't like each other. But Convoy of Hope during COVID would show up at a church and there'd be about 150 volunteers that would tear down that food and put it in bags. And the following day, cars would line up and the volunteers, especially during COVID, when you couldn't hug anybody and you couldn't touch anybody and you couldn't really minister like we're used to, you know. And but we hand out the food. And so with tears and laughter and conversation, we did that across America to the tune of 200 million meals. And I want to tell you, church, today that the, the nation does like each other. We do like each other. I watched the Hurricane Ian, the response that we did last month. And I see what's being done there. And I realize that people just showed up. I got so many calls from people wanting to go down the next day. I worked hard to stop them. I said, look, there's no gas, no hotels. Don't go. You'll get in the way. But they held off for a week and now they're pouring down there to help and rebuild that city after Ian. I want to declare to you today that the, that the nation, that the church does like each other. 
We're not at each other's throats. So when you see that, push back against it. We're the hands that break the bread. He calls us today. There's a scripture that says, if a brother or sister is ill-clad and lack of daily food, and one of you says to them, go and be filled, without giving them the things they need for the body, what does it profit? What good is it if somebody says, man, this is what I need, and you bless them and send them on their way without meeting the need? John says it this way. If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Those are some strong verses to the church. There's an obligation for us to take care of the poor of the world. I think one of the the pushbacks, I think, in the assemblies or maybe in the, the Pentecostal movement of old is that Jesus was so much coming back next Tuesday. Remember when we had that, you know, everything was end times. I turned the TV on today and had David Jeremiah talking about the end times. And that's a good thing to know. But the only reason that when that trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ shall rise and we who are alive and remain shall be caught up with him in the air, then that verse ends with, When he comes back, be found working. Don't just sit and wait for the trumpet. And we so much push the end times that we never reached out and helped. And now maybe we're getting a hang of just a little bit of saying, look, we've got time to reach the third world nations. We've got time to reach the hungry. We've got time to show them that we love them and and, and begin to minister to those needs. We have time to move into Nepal. We have time to respond to disasters. We have time to, to come up with feeding initiatives in schools and share Christ with the world. We can do that so that when the trumpet sounds... I'm going. I just don't want to be sitting in a chair when it happens. Amen. I want to be working. Christ takes his identity with the church seriously. He encountered Saul on the road to Damascus and he says, man, why are you persecuting me? And Saul says, huh? I'm not. Yeah, that what you're doing, you're doing it unto me. We are that body of Christ and we're called to do that. You're going to be you're being challenged today to give one day's wage to feed the hungry of the world. And Convoy of Hope's changing the world with that one day's wage. I, I remember my first offering, taking that in the church I was pastoring. And so in the middle of the offering, somebody raised their hand and said, well, how do you determine what one day's wage is? I said, oh, let me help you because you're going to do this at the end of the service. Okay, take your annual salary, divide it by two, and then write that check. If you're foolish enough to ask the preacher how much to give, that's that's my that's my stock answer. But it's funny because somebody else in that congregation raised their hand and said, well, what I do is I take 240 days with the annual work day and I divide it into my salary, 240. And I write that. Somebody else says, well, what about one week salary? Oh, I take one week salary divided by five. Well, what about seven? Do you throw on vacation? I went over and sat down and the church had about eight or nine questions that they worked out. When they got all done, we took up the offering. And I remember my first Convoy of Hope offering. Jeff Swain was at that time the rep from Convoy that came in and shared. And he said, Gary, I want you to make a stupid pledge. I said, I am. I'm, I'm just believing God. No, no, no. I don't want faith pledge or nothing like that. I want you to make a stupid one. And, and I was taught, you don't ever say stupid, but he wants stupid. I'll write stupid. I thought I could do six or seven thousand dollars. He wants stupid. I'll write stupid on that card. I wrote twenty four thousand dollars. I said, don't you hold me to this because I think I can do five or six thousand in the particular church we were at. 
So I took up my offering, stupid pledge, I'll show him. My offering that day was $24,006. I know. The spirit of Rhoda, remember that story in Acts where Peter was in prison and he gets out, knocks on the door, Rhoda answers the door, says, hey, it's Peter. No, it can't be you. We're praying he's in prison. She slams the door, goes back in, says, yeah, somebody say anything, it's Peter. You remember that? That's the spirit of Rhoda. You believe God for something and then it happens and you're surprised. Am I the only one who does that? It happens all the time. So if you pray for somebody's healing and somebody gets healed and you're the one that's surprised. Well, that's the way it is when you're doing the when you are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. Something else that surfaces here, too. In addition to being known in the hands that break the bread, Christ is also known in the hungry who take it. Okay, the hungry who take it. I want to show you this video. This is a video of Esther. Esther is in our women's empowerment program. So the Maasai lady, incredible story. And I, every time I see it, I, I always leave. I always want to do this because this is the way Esther dances. Okay. I was waiting for your song leader to moonwalk on that. It is good. It is good. Okay. I, I was hoping she'd get a little excited on that song. That's a fun song. But watch Esther. Will you watch this video with me? An incredible story of a lady that believes. I had no voice. I was married off to a stranger at 16. I was so young. Then he took another wife. He was never here. He left us in a mud hut without livestock or a way to feed ourselves or to pay for the children to go to school. He is my husband, but he provides nothing. If Maasai women speak against our husbands, we could be beaten. So I stay silent. That is the Maasai way. I got stomach ulcers from the stress. I would go out, sunrise to sunset, walking many long miles, in pain, looking for charcoal to sell. Day after day, my children would ask if I had brought food for us. And day after day, I would have to say no. My children are my blessing. They never cried. But I cried, night after night. I felt as a woman that there was no hope at all. I had no voice. The only thing remaining for me was to die. Then everything changed. Some Christian neighbors brought us food. Through them, I found hope. I found convoy of hope. At the women's empowerment meetings, I learned business skills and mastered the art of multiplying money. I discovered that I am a talented bead maker. Now people come from miles around to see me, to buy my necklaces, bracelets, and belts. I was able to get sheep for our farm, and I started gardening. Even Maasai men praise me for my hard work. Thanks to Convoy of Hope, I know I can provide for my family. I am a woman at peace. 
at peace that my children eat good food and go to school. When we want to eat, we eat. This is our life now. Not just food, but a full table. My kids say they are proud of me. They work hard in school and tell me that once they get older, they will get a good job and build a stone house for me. But I plan to build my own stone house by then. I know what it is to be hungry, so we help others who need food. And I show other women what Convoy of Hope taught me. You can provide for your family. You do have a voice. We are strong. That is the Maasai way. I always watch that video with a little bit of guilt because I want to kind of put on my American hat, you know, because she goes through that hardship and is treated wrong and is, is, is almost cast out and then she learns how to do the bead work and then the elders come back and then the husband comes back and she's celebrated in the village. And <laughs> I'll confess, the, the part of me that wants to go, I ain't coming back here, Jack. You didn't want me when I was poor. You ain't getting none of this. And, but then I realized that's wrong. That's wrong to have that attitude. But the beadwork that she does, she sells and she's successful. I look at the farm in that, that she's growing and she's succeeding. And she's actually elevating that village as other women are in the Women's Empowerment Program. You know, Jesus in Matthew 25 made a statement. He's talking about the righteous king. And he said that the day is coming that the blessed will inherit the earth. And he looked and he separated the goats, he separated the goats and the sheep. And he said to those on the right, his word shall become, O blessed of my father. For when I was hungry, you gave me food. And that verse goes on to say that, you know, they responded and said, well, Lord, when did we give you, when did we see you hungry and give you food? When did we see you in prison and, and set you free? When did we see you thirsty and give you water? When did we do this? And Jesus said, that which you do to the least of these, you do it as unto me. Okay, Jesus is seen in the hands that receive the bread that we give. That, that which you do to the least of these. We like that verse, but the next part of the same verse says that, you know, woe, you know, into the lake of fire, into, you know, the judgment that comes to the other side, because when I was hungry, you did not give me anything to eat. When I was thirsty, you didn't give me something to drink. When I was naked, you didn't give me anything to wear. And they said, well, when did we do that? He said, when you did not do that to the least of these, you didn't do it unto me. So there's almost an obligation that surfaces that says, how can we help? How can we help? And you can't read that story without drawing the obvious conclusions that Jesus identifies with those in need. And when we help them, we're helping him. Amen. That's not rocket science. And so I stand up here. I travel for convoy. My great desire, my mission, my purpose in life is to somehow take your hearts and your faces and turn them to the needs of the impoverished and the food insecure and the hungry of the world so that they will have their faces turned toward Jesus Christ. When we do that, we have succeeded now, let me finish up real quick with this one. This is the third one. Jesus is known in the very bread itself. Whether you broke a baguette or a, a Hawaiian loaf or, you know, uh, I, I always love international congregations because they come up and tell me all the other breads I don't know about. You know, pan and, you know, pita. I don't know. Anybody rip bread when I did that? Anybody rip bread? I don't know. 
you know, but we're seen in the bread itself. He's known in the body. He even identifies it in communion. And we do wonderful communion. I don't know if you still use the, the, the glass cups and the beautiful trays and the white over it and you fold it and you undo it and you lift the lids and you have a communion ceremony and you pass out the little wafers and then the beautiful little glasses of juice. Or do y'all use the COVID cup? <laughs> the COVID cup, right? When for the most time, pastor's talking, you're just trying to get that first lid open without getting the second lid open. And you're acting like you're pretending like you're paying attention, going, you stupid. Hand it to your wife. She does it. Hands it back. Then you take that bread and you eat it, and it's the nastiest bread ever, right? And you eat that thing. You say, oh, hallelujah. And then, then the challenge is to get the cup open with that thing without spilling it, Okay. One of these days, it's going to dawn on people to use white grape juice instead of purple. But that, yeah, I could invent that, I guess. But that's what we do. We use the COVID cup. But, you know, I had communion one time in Panama on the backside of the jungle with the Kuna Indians. And they were mixing this gruel on the ground. And the missionary said that when you do communion, don't drink that. Nothing wrong with it for them. But for you, what's in it won't agree with you. And so they did the coolest thing that during communion, they they used those little cups and they passed out that that white stuff that they'd cooked on the floor in a fire pit. They gave us Pizza Hut mints. I don't know where the Kuna Indians got those mints wrapped in paper, but we, you know. Take, eat. Twenty five minutes later, we're working on the mint, right? And I, and I was touched because you have communion done in, in a huge display of, of elegance. But around the world, you see communion done in, in, with the um, people in Africa. I had peanuts and orange soda one time because that's all they had. And we did communion with peanuts. And I realize that it's done everywhere, but it's in the bread that's shared that there's the communion. So Christ is seen in the hands. He's seen in the bread. He's seen in the, the, the very people themselves. The church may preach with great eloquence. We may put that gospel out there, and yet there is no eloquence as persuasive as that expressed when God's people, as Christ's body, feed the hungry of the world. The church looks good when it's doing that. I know that during COVID, we had all sorts of issues, but history shows that during the bubonic plague, the church stepped up and ran toward the plague. Okay, COVID provided opportunity for us to share Christ into the plague. All right, it was an odd thing to do, and we had to wrestle with all the stuff that went with it. But there were times, you know, when Jesus healed the leper, if you look real close, that the Bible says in Mark that Jesus, when the leper came up, Jesus touched him, prayed for him, then healed him. And in my head, the leper came up, Jesus hugged him and then prayed for him. And we want to keep him at arm's distance. No, the church is shining at its best when we jump in there and help. And that's my challenge to you today. You know, I know that you're going to do your one day to feed the world. Your challenge has been for the last couple of weeks preparing for this, that, you know, whatever the offering is, it's not equal giving. It's just equal sacrifice. The kid that works at McDonald's will figure out what he makes in one day. The executive at a major corporation will figure out what he makes one day. And you receive that offering. And I'll tell you this, your missions program far exceeds 
what you should be doing in a group this size. I believe with all my heart you have one of the greatest, talking to the pastor, you have one of the greatest missions hearts of any church I've ever seen. You love missions. You love giving. You love being part of anything, not just convoy, but of the challenges that pastor brings before you. You do that. I don't know how many goats I'm going to sell today. <laughs> you know, I don't know what I'm going to do if you buy a goat, okay? But feel free to get a catalog, buy a goat or buy chickens or buy seeds or buy a scholarship for a women's empowerment program. Whatever you want to do, it's all in here. You can buy it. And if you want a shirt, I'll mail you one. You don't have to buy the shirt. You know, I don't know where I'll get it, but we'll find one. But you have this mission's heart. And so before I give it to the pastor, would you allow me to pray over you? Can I do that? That's the honor that I want. I want to be able to pray for you today. Will you let me do that? Father, it's an honor for me to stand in this pulpit and Lord God advocate for Convoy of Hope. Lord God, I know that the church around the world, Lord God, has stepped up and, and Lord God, they're tackling a huge problem. But today, Lord God, I want to focus this prayer on this congregation right here. Lord God, praise assembly. You have granted to them, Lord, a supernatural missions heart. I pray, Father God, for a renewal of that heart. I pray, Lord God, for a fresh anointing. I pray, Lord God, as they've come through the last couple years, Lord God, and it's tough to be put on the sidelines and some of the requirements of this pandemic. But Lord God, as we begin to see it break and, and, and we begin to reach out again today, Lord, I pray for a fresh anointing, a fresh outpouring upon this congregation. I pray, Lord God, for Pastor Mike and the staff here, Lord God, that you would give them creativity, that you would give them blessing, that you would give them a future sight, Lord God, like they've never seen before. So that, Lord God, when that trumpet sounds, we will indeed be found working for you. Lord God, most of all, I pray as I pray every day that, Lord God, today you would break our hearts. Father, break our hearts today. God, break my heart with that which breaks yours. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, church. Thanks for letting me mess you up a little bit. And thank you for loving Convoy of Hope. Pastor. Yeah. And thank you for coming to be with us this weekend, Gary. Um, you know, really, that was a Thanksgiving message, wasn't it? Uh, one of the things, I don't think we've ever been thanked that much by any guest. And so thank you, Gary, for saying thank you to everyone that's here. On the front of our bulletin for the last couple of weeks, there's a scripture and it says, kindness to the poor is a loan to the Lord and he, meaning God, will give a reward to the lender. There's another Bible version translation that says it a little more clear, I think. It says, whoever is generous to the poor lends to the Lord and he will repay him for his deed. And so I know, you know, we are thankful for all that God's provided for us. The poorest among us would look like millionaires in many of the countries that Convoy's involved in. And, you know, Convoy did begin with citywide outreaches and disaster relief and that sort of thing. And then it expanded into the feeding program for children and women's empowerment and, uh, and the agriculture. So many different things. And God is using those. But the number one thing I appreciate about Convoy, in spite of all these different strategies or pieces of a common strategy, is they're not just feeding people. They're not just giving instructions or knowledge to people. They're bringing them the gospel and all they do. 
Uh, it's never left out. And there are a lot of organizations out there that are benevolent but do not present the gospel, even those with Christian names. So that's why Convoy has earned my respect. And that's why we support them as a church, is because they always couple the gospel message that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven. And so anyways, we've got ushers ready, and I want to receive this offering. And, and I didn't bring it up with me, but you have the Convoy of Hope offering envelope on your seat. Just take that. And if you weren't prepared today, you can give online. I already gave this week, just so I wouldn't forget, online. You can go right to our website, hit the giving button, and you'll see the Convoy of Hope one day to feed the world. But let's do that now. Let's pray and receive this offering. Father, I thank you, Lord, for this, this incredible word that we heard today. And Lord, a, a, full, a fuller description of Convoy and their ministry. Lord, you have ordained that ministry. You've called them into being. And, and Lord, I thank you for their, their influence and their outreach. And I pray that you would bless Hal Donaldson and all the staff that's involved all around the world, not just here in the United States. Father, I pray, God, your touch in their lives. And Lord, I pray, God, that as we, as we gather our funds together, we put our dollars together, Lord. I thank you that these people in other nations here in America after each disaster, they're not receiving just things. They're receiving the knowledge and the truth of your gospel. And Lord, I pray that it go forward. Lord, I pray right now your blessing on each one of us as we give right now in Jesus' name. Amen. So when you leave today, in the center of the lobby is a table with a couple brochures from Convoy. One is about community transformation and talks about women's empowerment, the agriculture and the feeding programs, how they work together. If you'd like one of those, grab them. It's a limited number. And then also the gift catalog. Um, if you want to buy a goat, grab one of these. Okay, it'll show you how to buy a goat or maybe some chickens or other things. Um, really pretty neat. So again, limited number of those. And um, I'm sure Gary will be out in the lobby a little bit if you have any questions, you want to talk to him at all. Let's stand together and thank you for giving. We'll get a report to you next week, hopefully. Um, but thank you again for giving one day to feed the world. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity today. Lord, we thank you, God, for our guest. And we pray your blessing in his life and his family. Lord, as he travels every weekend, Father, just continue to bless him and to use him. I thank you, God, for bringing him here today. And Lord, I pray again your blessing in each one of our lives. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you.